so Fryholt, before we even get started with anything else, tell me about your history with the Resident Evil franchise. How did you first get drawn into Resident Evil? I had always heard about the, the Resident Evil video games. I had only played one, and it was a little too hard, because I was just getting into video games at the time. So I would have to say that my biggest introduction is the Mia Jovovich films, which I thought the first two were good. I thought the rest were pretty much garbage, but there were things in them that were cool. Scenes, parts, monsters. I found something to like in almost all of them. This is really interesting to me because you are a gamer, yeah? No, not anymore. Not anymore? Okay, uh, so how long how, how long have you been out of gaming? Uh, at least 10 years. Okay, um, I, I'm, I'm the same boat. I, I haven't, I stopped gaming in the early 2000s, but I thought that you, because, you know, uh, Fix is still a gamer and yeah, a lot of dark extended circles are, so I thought you were still me, into that. Me and Fix It played Halo together quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So it was always like first person shooters, and at the time, Resident Evil, the game that they, that I knew about, was a third person shooter. Right. And I, I think they started to transition with Resident Evil 4, if I remember correctly. Because that's yeah. where I got, that's literally where I got out of it because I liked the old mechanic and I realized because of how gaming was developing they really had to switch to a new dynamic they couldn't have just kept doing the same uh, static camera and stuff that they had been doing but it yeah. also that was part of what I enjoyed about the games and once they switched away from that I couldn't deal with it anymore now when you said it was, do you remember which one it was you played that was too hard I, I don't do you remember I, the character that you played maybe Chris Redfield okay so probably the first one then huh yeah I, I honestly I can't remember I just remember there was one and I was trying to control him and he, yeah. he, had, a, he had a laser sight. it was in the very I quit early it was in yeah. the very beginning. Um, he was going through like an old house. He had a laser sight on his gun and I couldn't, I, the tracking was just so much different mm -hmm. from what I was used to playing. Um, yeah, that, I mean, and I've heard that complaint a lot with Resident Evil. like Halo and Killzone mm -hmm. that I just said fuck it and that was it. Yeah, and see, I, I got used to those particular mechanics. I played the games for quite a while. What's especially funny is, you know, like the entire time I've been with my girlfriend, we've been together for going on 14 years now and she never knew me as a gamer because I quit years before we ever got together and she's gotten to be more and more of a gamer in recent years so she doesn't even it doesn't even consider like she didn't even think of me and associate it with games of any kind so when I was showing her some Resident Evil stuff like the TV show the new TV show she asked me about the games and I'm like yeah I played the first one the second one the third one Code Veronica <laughs> I was like listening to all these games she's like you played all those games like she couldn't believe that I'd done all that but also because that was the I, the, the same mechanics that you did disliked and pulled you away from the game you, drew me in because I don't like first person shooters I I, 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 I like the static camera I thought that was really good for the, the horror aspect of the because that's what I was trying to explain to her is that part of what made the game so fucked up and easy to, to startle you is because you had the fixed camera that was ne not necessarily at an advantageous angle for you as the player and so it sets you up for being in bad situations where you're having low visibility and having shit coming out at you from the sides Blind you weren't expecting and stuff and yeah. you know? you know, like, and I, I told her too about how they took a bug in gaming at the time, the slow load screens between sections, and they made that part of what made the game so tense as you're going to open a door, you got this long, drawn-out sequence where you don't know what's going to be on the other side of that door, you're going to be perpetually tense, especially before you clear a particular area, and sometimes the zombies would literally be coming at you while you're still going through the load screen, uh, so it would fuck you up. Yeah, have you seen um, the commercials for the new Resident Evil game with the werewolves? I haven't seen it. I haven't, I've seen some 
stuff from Village, which was a year or so back, but not yeah. for anything that's coming up. I, I think I think that that I think it is Village. I just always thought that looked cool, but I like I said, I don't play anymore at all. So yeah. so, but what's interesting to me is I know so many people who know it from who got into Resident Evil because of the games, and and a lot of those people have a lot. Of, there, there's a, a, a variety of opinions on the Mila Jovovich, Paul W. S. Anderson movies. Most of them bad, especially from the side of gamers. And I knew that there had to be people that came to the franchise from the movies because you don't get to make six fucking movies unless there are some people that really like the movies. But I don't know a lot of people that have no relationship to the games whatsoever and are purely for the movies. And well, I imagine and I also, some of that's because you're yeah, a horror guy. You're a monster I guy. Collected the, I collected the toys too. Um, yeah, I had some of those toys. Those were, I still have some of the figures. Uh, I, I, think have, I think I have Claire and Chris. No, no, Claire and Leon. And I definitely have some of the weapons that came with them. The Toy Biz, I, I, I collected those, but I also collected the Japanese imports at the time. I think it was Band Presto made them. Bandai, uh, no, because that's a Bandai property. No, I think it was Band Presto. I, it was either Band Presto or Bandai, but I had a bunch of the imports. And then uh, Palisades took over the license from Toy Biz, and they did a fucking awesome job. So, I mean, I was into, like, the lore, but... Well, and that's uh, an interesting... Okay, let me ask you about this, too. I, I was really hardcore into Resident Evil in the first few years of the franchise, and I, it hit me the other day that I actually owned at least one or two of the novels that they made. Did you ever read any of the novels or the comic books or any of the expanded media? I did, but I it was so long ago, I have absolutely no memory of it, but I remember I read at least two of the books. And, um, and you're and collecting I, I action figures I from the books? I read some of the comics, uh, but I, I, read, I don't read so many books anymore, but I listen to so many books. I can't tell you what I listened to last week. I'm just getting old. My memory's going to shit. Though. What is the primary motivation for your picking up the figures? I mean, I like the figures. I thought they did a really faithful adaptation of the, of the way they looked in the games with improvements, obviously, going for the full 3D of, of an actual figure and stuff. But are you coming at that more as a monster guy? Or monster are you in the novel? Okay, monster guy. Okay. Because they did have some really incredible monster designs in this franchise. And still do. I, well, but I did buy them all. I thought the humans looked great. Chris Chris Redfield looked great from Toy Biz. Man, they're just, they're all cool designs. The Leon Kennedy was my guy. And I think Max guy too. Leon S. Kennedy, the rookie cop from Resident Evil 2. Mr. Floppy Hair. He's, he's in most of the... Oh, shit. Uh, he w- no, he was the guy in Toy... Yeah, because Chris Redfield had the shotgun and he was more dressed like Western style where Leon yeah. was the one who was in the, the police uniform with the, the blonde hair that flopped over his eyes. Usually had an automatic. <sighs> Checking, right? <laughs> uh, let's see... You know what? The stuff that I bought that was imported wasn't called Resident Evil. It's called Biohazard. Right. The original Japanese was Biohazard. And you know, that's one of the things that's interesting about this franchise, too. Besides the fact they have so many games. Like, I I just think about the the big releases, but there's so many uh, shooting games, mobile phone games, there's all this shit. Like, it's dozens and dozens of games. So God only knows how many different ways people have gotten to come into this franchise. But one thing that was interesting to me was that when we went to Japan a few years back, I was hoping to find stuff from my childhood like stuff from the, the, the early days where that you know the early imports like uh, Speed Racer and Battle of the Planets and the stuff that I grew up with I wanted to try to find like actual antique stuff from that time period from Japan and I didn't have a lot of luck with that Bikini had more luck than I did but one thing that I did keep seeing that, that was something familiar to me over a long period of time because so much of the stuff there was new so it's all Attack on Titan and, and One Piece and you know Dragon Ball and stuff 
that's, I mean, uh -huh. Dragon Ball has been around for a long time. I shouldn't mention that one, but a lot of stuff that's more after my time of having interest in stuff. But one thing I did see consistently everywhere was Resident Evil stuff, in particular, the guns. Because this is an island where they're not allowed to have actual firearms, but the fans are really, really into replicas. And it just so happens, you know, since there's so many different weapons used in Resident Evil, it's easy enough to make a, a replica that's the Resident Evil version of the gun rather than a real gun. And it seems like those are still extremely popular and they're really common throughout all the Japanese shops. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought that they couldn't have anything that even looked like. I guess that's Canada. Well, Canada's got guns. They've got, they, you can have guns all you want. I mean, until recently, you could have the same guns there that you've got here for the most part. I don't know about assault rifles, but handguns, shotguns, rifles, all that kind of stuff, They, to my knowledge, well, there's no like, limitations. I thought they couldn't have like airsoft guns or something like that. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I do know, obviously, the replicas in Japan do not function. It's purely a hunk of plastic or possibly some type of metal. I didn't handle them. They're, they're mo all that stuff is behind glass cases. I didn't ask I to hold it or anything. So you, you said that you, you did take in some of the other media, the novels, some of the comic books. What yeah. do you think? Did you stay with the comic books very long? Because I know that I tried and they just weren't that good. <sighs> I mean, the Wildstorm ones were a little I, better. I don't remember. They weren't memorable to me, so they I must not have enjoyed them. Yeah, they, they had some okay artists on that. I think Carlos Danda did some stuff for that. Uh, I know on the first one, they had Jim Lee cover, uh, and they made the interesting choice of doing it in a magazine format. I think they wanted trying to target, like, GameStops and stuff. But it, okay. didn't, it didn't last long. It only lasted, like, a year or so, and then they went back and tried to do some standard comic books, and it just never seemed to catch on as a comic, it seems like. I just don't think they were that good, to be honest with you. Back when I was collecting hardcore, if it had anything less than stellar art, it, it was dead to me on on after the first read. So th that's probably what happened is I didn't think that the art was up to par and I bailed. Yeah, and that was the problem too is that Wildstorm licensed stuff looked a lot better than other companies licensed stuff, but it wasn't like Dark Horse or anything and it was still not ready for major, like their own books, image guys. Um, yeah. So definitely better than if Marvel or DC had done it, but not... Jim Lee, <laughs> not they're, they're not getting Richard Bennett to do these things or anything. They're not yeah. getting Lee Bermejo. He might do a cover, but he's not doing any interiors. So yeah, that's probably what happened. They're probably getting like J.J. Kirby or something doing a lot of that type of stuff. Who's okay, but he's not one of the image guys by far. Um, yeah. So you said you liked the movies. Now, you, how did you, did you like the first one going in or was it just the first two that you really latched onto, you said? No, I didn't like the first one. The first time I saw it, from everything I had read and everything, I don't ever remember their being in. I remember thinking this. I don't I was not familiar at all with Alice's character. I don't know why but I remember not being a big fan of it the first time I saw it but I, I bought the VHS tape when it came out and it was one of those movies where you start watching you start liking so uh, that was kind of how I, I got into it. I Like I said I could find something in all of her movies to enjoy in, in her Resident Evil run. I personally like the animated movies better. I, I think there's so much more or like with big monsters and stuff you can do when it's animated so yeah I wanted to touch on that I wasn't sure because of uh, uh, some of the, the fuzziness about some of the characters so I, I'm aware that they did one of the uh, amusement park rides and they did this thing called Biohazard 40 Executor and I'd never heard mm -hmm. of it but then like Watch Mojo did this moronic list where they listed the top 10 worst Resident Evil media like anything that was remotely like movies cartoons anything like that and they threw that on there and 
and they still ranked it like above the first couple of Mila Jovovich movies. And again, this is some bullshit from a ride with like not even year 2000 level graphics and stuff. So it just was incredibly stupid to me that they even did that. But I do remember around 2008, they came out with the first of those original movies, the animated movies. Everyone's called Degeneration. Yeah. And my recollection was that I, I wanted to see it, but it wasn't available to rent or anything. If, I, this is how I remember it. I might be mistaken. I want to say that I actually just went out to like a Best Buy and bought it. And I've almost never wor- had things work out when I do that. I, I'm, I'm such a picky person to begin with. The last thing I need to do is buy a movie yeah. that I'm going to keep and be reminded of my failure if I don't like it. And I remember really hating Degeneration. And again, that was the first one. And I've not seen it in since the, the one showing probably in 2008. I tried to find it because it wasn't available to stream, um, but I don't remember anything about it. What Do you remember Degeneration at all? Excuse me, sir. Are you feeling all right? Emergency. sent a special agent to handle this mess. Who the hell are you? Leon S. Kennedy. Is it too much to hope you at least have some sort of a plan? Shoot them in the head. Get down! (sighs) Leon. Thank you. She's one of the rare survivors of Raccoon City. She has more experience with this kind of hellish nightmare than anyone else here. Claire, don't go! It's okay. I am gonna come back. What do you think the suits at the top are trying to cover up? It definitely reeks of terrorism. It remains a secret even within the company. They'll disperse a T-virus in every populated area in the U.S. This can't be happening. I'm gonna scrub this virus from the face of the Earth. It's on. It's on Tubi for free. I'm pretty sure. No, I watched that one. That was Damnation. So that was the one that came okay. a few years later. Yeah, I, I actually just watched it not too long ago. It's at an airport. It breaks out, and there's a, a dirty senator who is being paid off and everything to smuggle shit in, and, and it got loose. And um, see, uh, was Claire in that one? I think Claire yes, was. It in looks it. like it's Leon and Claire. For some reason, yeah. they favor Leon and Claire in all the animated movies. It seems like I don't think they've done any of the animated movies with. Uh, Chris or Jill? No, the the newest one has Chris. Uh, Mm-mm. You talking about the one on Netflix? Hang on, just a second. Vendetta, 2017. Okay, so yeah, that's that's another one that I couldn't get a hold of. The the ones, so we'll come back to that one. We'll put a pin on that one. So, uh, Degeneration, you liked it? Yeah. And h- how did you view it? Did you have to buy it or did you rent it or what? I bought it. You bought it? Okay. By the way, the, the Degeneration, I remember people liking that a lot. It's one of the things that pissed me off is because they were they were saying Degeneration is the way Resident Evil movies should be. Fuck the Mila Jovovich movies and being a fan of those movies. I was like, no, fuck you. Gener- Degeneration sucks. But I remember it being pretty successful and looking it up it, it had a limited theatrical run in Japan where it did well they sold a hell of a lot of units it got pretty decent reviews um, so I'm definitely in the minority of that most people really seem to like Degeneration but because I hated that one so much I didn't bother with any of the other cartoons until recently I watched what I could for this podcast and so they had Damnation on Tubi and I did watch that one and I liked it fairly well today marks the first day in which the world's media has been granted access to the city We've got confirmation that B.O.W.s are being used in this war. If you don't stop messing around with that thing, you're gonna get us all killed. I have been sent here by the B.S.A.A. 
My name is Ada Wong. Pull back! one where they went to Russia. Well, it's weird watching that today because it's some made-up country that there's a conflict in, but because of how it's presented on, in that and uh, uh, it's it's very much Ukraine. You know, it's like watching is like yeah, yeah, it's caught between the Western world and Russia and there's all this kind of shady shit going on in the country itself and so the alliances are kind of you know, frayed because no people don't necessarily want to invest in the country. It's, it's fucking Ukraine, but it's, it's some other made-up country, but uh, from today's view it's clearly Ukraine. Yeah, and they're 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 using the tyrant type characters for weapons of mass destruction. Um, I always thought that one was weird because the action, the everything's great, but there's no people on the streets at, anywhere. It's like if if, if even if the, some places at war, you're gonna see people running around. It, it was weird. Um, yeah, but I like stupid shit, <laughs> and that was just well. All one thing that got me kind of stupid shit. Yeah, so. watching that was from 2012, and. I, and jump ahead and I watch the recent Netflix show. We'll get to that one in a minute. They've never been able to figure out what to do with hands and they seem to really still struggle with hair a lot where it just seems yeah. sort of like floats around and doesn't really have the physics down, right? But then some of those faces are so photorealistic. It's just like very uncanny valley because some shit they get the nail and some stuff is like you still haven't worked out what to do with people's hands. You still don't know what to do with these hands. But I, I did like the tyrants and I liked how they were portrayed. I know they did the extra giant kaiju versions as the movie progressed aggressive, yeah. but there's something about one of these big T2, T-800 motherfuckers, you know, where they start to gallop at you, and they're just such a mass and such a determination in their face. It's it's definitely unnerving, you know, when you see those guys coming, it's like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're just going to die. That's all you're going to do. Yeah. But of course, they also do the thing where they can kill somebody the second they get their head, like they can kill a liquor, you know, inside of a few seconds. They just crush their head. But once they get their hands on yeah. Leon, all of a sudden, What's he's just he, like choking him for five minutes. Or he... Because I just watched this a couple weeks ago. Just like you said, the fucking thing killed like three of them liquors. It grabs Leon and whips him against a stone pillar. And he's like, ugh. And then he's running it again. It's like, dude, if that thing's that strong, that thing would have shattered every part of you hitting a giant stone pillar. You know? It's like, come on. And it's weird for me, too, because I, all, in all these things, Leon is now like the super badass, like special ops guy. And yeah. see, I'm still stuck with him from Resident Evil 2 where he's the rookie cop so for me it's like watching the, the Bruce Willis diehard movies from beginning to end and he starts out just like as a, a, a middle aged you know average cop who just got lucky to by the last movie he's fucking John Rambo essentially and it's well, like what the fuck happened to John the everyman guy that I, that I plugged into at the beginning you know he ch- the last two movies he's John Wick like I mean even the way his gunplay is um well even the performance is a little bit Keanu I noticed yeah yeah um 
like you just, I watch a lot of shooting competitions and stuff and and that John Wick carry style where it's up tight by your body that's special forces stuff so yeah they totally stole that and <laughs> turned them into John Wick so it was uh which I you know again I'm watching a shit movie that I just well, like th- that's so. the thing though having hated Degeneration so much and never gave me another shot and unfortunately wasn't able to find it before our recording I didn't have high expectations going into Damnation I actually made a, a real blunder because I decided to watch Damnation and uh, Infinite Darkness intermittently like back and forth and so the story kept bleeding in my brain. It's like, wait, where did Claire go? It's like, oh, wait, Claire isn't in this one. You know, it was fucked with my head. But because the theme yeah. was fairly consistent and they were still in both shows are going to some, you know, uh, distant Eastern Bloc country to deal with shit. It was like, it was kind of the same story. But I didn't dislike either one of them. I didn't I didn't love either one of them. I wouldn't have watched them without uh, something to motivate me. But they weren't bad. They were all right. They, like you say, the physics would sometimes get a little bit ridiculous. You know, plot armor was very thick in those movies. But they weren't bad you know they, they definitely were of a piece with the games i feel like like they really do feel like 90 minute cutscenes, basically okay i'm mixed i think i'm mixing up the last two movies well see and that's one thing that's a little tricky too is i i can't i can't help you with that because i saw damnation on tubi and then i was not able to find vendetta and that's the one you said that has chris yeah i'm, I'm looking at the 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 shot here now okay the film features leon s kennedy chris redfield and rebecca chambers and like rebecca chambers I don't think I've seen in any of these movies. I, I think I only know her from the first game. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know who she was at all. I'm like, why? And she was like a central character in that movie. So I'm like... So what happens in Vendetta? Because I didn't get to see that one. I'm curious. Okay, if I'm remembering this right, who's the bad guy? Wesker? Fuck, no, I don't remember names. I'm awful. Hang on a second. I don't see him in the credited voice cast, so probably not Wesker. Well, that, was and, the let's, one, that and let's be honest, Infinite too, it's a big plot point. They, it's a big plot point in the TV show show that Wesker died in 2009. So I'm guessing he must not be in any of these cartoons. Did you watch the one where the, the girl looked like his fiance who had died in a bombing? Nope, nope. I don't know anything about that. Okay, that's gotta be Vendetta. So, I, I don't know what character the bad guy was playing. I don't remember. Um, I thought it was Wesker, but I guess I could be wrong. Um, He's like an arms dealer in the United States. We, we drone strike his wedding. And so he starts going after the, the U.S. government and he wants to set off like a, a zombie apocalypse in the United States as revenge. But he also kidnaps that uh, Rebecca Chambers. The Rebecca Chambers and is oh, making and, and like this folks, weird. Folks you don't know too, right? Quick, Rebecca Chambers was like the the rookie, I guess, of the stars unit in the very first game. And so her whole deal was she got holed up in one room in the the mansion, and she I think would help you like help you with wounds and stuff. Uh, if you got wounded, she you could get back to her room and she'd fix you up and of course she's one of the ones who escapes at the end of the game but she was never like a focal character so I, you know I, it, it makes sense that you would go a long time without seeing her and that she would perhaps be somebody who would get kidnapped because if you kidnap Claire or Jill they're, got, they're heroin got, that's yeah you can get she got kidnapped her. from that room um, she got kidnapped from that room in Vendetta um, I'll find out who the bad guy is quick 
Glenn Arius was the bad guy. Not familiar with his name. Yeah, I'm guessing he was made up just for the cartoon. Uh, but, I mean, he's got a compelling backstory, but, uh, yeah, I'm completely unfamiliar with this dude. Yeah, and then he... She's she's came up with an antivirus uh, medication um, that if you get bit, as long as you inject it soon, it uh, turns you back into human. Which the, is the key the, plot the point in the Netflix uh, cartoon. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I don't see that. Toward the end... Um, the, the bad guy, who's the bad guy again? I just said his name, Arius. Uh, he turns kind of in like a tyrant monster and like a little kid would love the ending fight because it's so ridiculous, but, uh, well, shit, I enjoyed it, but it, it was so unbelievable. The shit that they were doing, they would have been killed right away. But, uh, that's, that's kind of all these movies are a little bit ridiculous. So. Yeah. I, I do think that sometimes they come down a little too hard on the Milijovic movies because they, the actual games and the uh, closer, more faithful adaptations, they have their own special little quirks, too, that aren't that far removed from what they did under the Anderson films. He's still alive. You want to talk about it? Every night I have the same nightmare. That day, that was hell. I remember people screaming. What's going on? They get bitten, then they turn. You watch it spread. And spread. Leon? It's gotta be another outbreak. I gotta go. Don't do anything stupid. Raccoon City was the beginning. We can't let what happened stay buried. But if we went public with this, we could expose a conspiracy. I can't get anyone to go on record about outbreak. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. We need to show the world that we are a strong nation, capable of protecting the interests of the free world. We must be the source of hope to those who seek freedom. We cannot allow anyone to interfere with peace and prosperity. What are you here for? That's classified. You know where the root of terror comes from? It starts with fear. Infinite Darkness was a season. Uh, I, I think I think that's they've made it into a season, but it really that's a that's a basically a movie. You know, it's like it's four less than a half hour episodes telling one continuous story. So aside from them, definitely I mean clearly they have chapter breaks. You know, there's a jump from episode to episode. There's a clear point where they just break off and it, it comes to a resolution at the end of each quote unquote episode. But you can shotgun those things in one sitting, and and in one sitting it's only about an hour and forty five minutes or so. It's basically a movie. I 
guess I think Netflix just decided to present it as four episodes because I don't know why that that choice was made. You could have easily just strung that together into one feature like all the other ones. I must not have liked it because I have absolutely I know I've watched it, but I have absolutely like I'm reading through the synopsis here and I don't remember this at all. Yeah, so this one Again, it has a lot in common with uh, Damnation, was it called? Anyway, so it's the same kind of shit where you've got some government mafia. Basically, um, they bring Leon into the White House because there's another problem with um, with zombie outbreaks, right? And they've got one guy in particular who is supposed to be the hero of, we're just going to say Ukraine because I'm not going to remember what bullshit country it was. But this guy was part of a group called the Mad Dogs, a squadron that went into Ukraine uh, analog with his crew to try to save some U.S. soldiers oh, from a down. Oh, shit. Now like, I remember. Yeah. Yep. And, now I remember. And, and it, for some reason, it turns out that these guys had been, the, the previous group, had been exposed to the T-virus. And so uh, even though they're being, like, tortured and hung up by their heels and stuff by the, the locals, um, and admittedly the locals are a, a, a somewhat browner shade, so maybe it's a little further to the east than Ukraine, but still basically the same. Yeah. These soldiers bite the locals. That starts a whole infestation. That's one of the things that separates it from damn because Damnation was all about clearly Eastern, or sorry, Western type of ex-Soviets who were intentionally contaminating themselves with Plaga, which I think is something they introduced in some of the later games. And so that gave them the ability to control the liquors. And so they were basically engaged in bio-warfare against a tyrannical uh, oligarch-serving female president. Uh, and But it all turned out that she was the one supplying the Plaga anyway. So she was basically setting up these liberation fighters so that they would not only be condemned by the international community for using biological weapons, but also as a supplier, she had some control and she had stronger Umbrella core than they had. Uh, although I think by this point, Umbrella must have been disbanded or something because all the companies involved now are like Tricor or some shit. Not called Umbrella seemingly anymore in any of these Yeah, they, um, that, that's true. Umbrella doesn't really pop up in the animated series. Uh, so I'm guessing they must have finally gotten taken care of in the games or they, they had such a backlash that finally they just got shut down or weren't able to, to function as Umbrella anymore. But so in that story, you know, the U.S. government is involved with this stuff. But mostly it's because they decided once they realized that these 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 biological weapons were being uh, used uh, to a large degree in this area, they didn't want anything to do with it. The Russians didn't want anything to do with it. So in a rare instance, the Russians and the U.S. got together and wiped out all these biological weapons and and uh, took the president out of power because they they were just causing too much chaos within Europe where things should be a little bit more settled theoretically, um, which is one of the reasons why the Ukraine situation is what it is, is there's an element of racism because people get more upset about white people getting attacked than they do about brown people in Western countries, but also because the politics of that are much more fragile. This is post-World War II. These are nuclear states involved. And so it's it's kind of important for us to maintain the post-World War II status quo in Ukraine as opposed to other parts of the world that have been in conflict indefinitely. They, they That's part of the reason why you have these priorities. So in Infinite Darkness, it is probably more of a Middle Eastern type of country, um, the, the way that it's portrayed. And you do have a Black Hawk Down situation. They do have an outbreak. Uh, it is relatively contained, seemingly. Uh, but this Mad Dog Squadron get back to base with the, the some of the infected troops. And then there's this big cover-up, which is one of the things that kind of is a through line throughout the, the story, is how are they involved with the cover-up? And how does that... Uh, and, and then 
being that some of these people have been incorporated back into the uh, military, not even the military, they're involved with like black ops operations for the government. How did that transition take place and what does that mean? Yeah. So you've got the hero of, I don't know, let's say, what do we want to say? We want to say Syria? We'll call it Syria. So you've got the hero of Syria who's this big, bad, macho kind of dude. Looks like the dude from the Hannibal or mustache from uh, Walking Dead. And yeah. you also have an Asian woman whose brother was one of the uh, soldiers that was infected. And yep. you've got this conspiracy where it, it, you have having situations where the lights go out and suddenly there are zombies where there should not be any zombies. And in the first episode, it happens to be that that's the White House. And so you've got the Secret Service and Leon and this hero guy and the Asian chick all fighting zombies in in the West Wing, um, which was an interesting setting at the very least. And then they play out all the conspiracies that were related to that. They end up on a submarine trying to go back to Syria because they can't legally go there without causing an international incident. Uh, and then you'll remember on the, the uh, submarine, there's a plague of uh, biohazard ants, uh, ants, rats, uh, which I think is one of the most effective sequences, probably the most effective sequence for me in any of the animation that I've seen because you have like these mounds of corpses of the people who are crewing the submarine. Leon finds that and then a whole nest of these rats burrow their way through the chest of these uh, these this, these dead sailors and then start overloading the, the hallways. Uh, that, it was much more harrowing than most of the stuff that I see. And since I've so rarely seen rats in Resident Evil, it was very, it was novel for me. Maybe they were all over the games that after I, I stopped playing the game, but I hadn't seen them before, and so they were pretty impressive to me. Cool. But you're saying yeah, you didn't like that, it? No. You were saying you didn't like it, though. I must not have. You know, I canceled Netflix. I do remember it now that we're talking about it. Well, see, I think I must, what, what might have happened with you is the same thing that happened with me. Is you've got the story where Claire is in Syria after the conflict, and she's investigating what's going on, and, she, and there's a, a, a drive that has information about the initial infection outbreak there involving the U.S. soldiers, and you have the whole subplot where. Um, one of the, the members of the president's cabinet keeps pushing China and this is coming from China and they're hacking us and they're 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 probably involved with this too. And then of course what it ends up being is that the dude is actually corrupt. He's like a John Bolton type who is, is saging this stuff to happen so that he can push the US into direct conflict with China to prove himself right, I guess. And then what I didn't get is why were the two survivors, the the hero guy and the Asian girl, why they were going along with that stuff? Because it seemed like they were trying to expose everything that happened and bring down if not the, the corporations maybe even the government itself for being involved with this having happened they were apparently involved with the initial infection of the Black Hawk Down guys um, but like at one point it looked like Leon killed the hero guy but I think he ended up coming back and so he wasn't really dead after all and then there was the whole thing where they're still keeping the zombie brother with no limbs on life support even though he's already dead and they have to go to her family and it just got really convoluted and didn't make a lot of sense and, and I started really checking out on it that happened with you as well? Yeah. 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 And then by the end, when they're in the underground bunker that's underneath the White House, and it's like, it's bad enough when Stranger Things season three was doing this shit, but it seems like everything in Resident Evil is a fucking gigantic underground bunker under the White House besides, and nobody noticed apparently. But when like the the war chief recognizes that he's been caught, and so he, he, he sets up this gigantic acid bath that's supposed to eat the entire base with acid, and then the, the, the hero guy infected himself, or he, the, 
they, it turns out they, everybody was still infected and they were using that stuff that Rebecca Chambers had come up with to not turn into monsters. But then I guess he goes off his meds and becomes a giant tyrant-like creature. And then he ends up eventually going into the acid bath and then you have all the fucked up physics with Leon surviving when he really shouldn't survive. And, um, oh, and, and of course the tyrant guy had killed the Asian girl. I have no idea why he killed her. It didn't make any sense to me. No, a lot of that ending just didn't make sense. And then the very end, when Chris has the drive and Claire wants him to give it to her so that she can reveal the malfeasance, he says no, he refuses and goes back to working in the White House. I don't understand what his motivation was and I, I just feel like I'm lost. I feel like these Resident Evil things are not made for people that are not watching and, and, and ingesting. Yeah, you can't Like, I'm missing watch, shit. Like, it's the like background. they don't explain anything. Yeah. So you say you're the same as me. You're like, I missed something. They didn't, something's not getting explained to me correctly in this thing. Yep, yep. man named Glenn Arias. He took over Neo Umbrella and Trisol's operations. He's a merchant of death. The wonderful thing about my products is that they know the difference between ally and enemy. And it's our mission to bring his ass down, not mine. God damn it, Leon. Stop! Can he use the trigger virus on New York? Our time starts now. I want revenge. Biohazard Vendetta. Given that you weren't into the games, why specifically is the second live-action Resident Evil movie your favorite of the lot? Because the Alice had her superpowers at that point. It was almost like a superpower or a, a superhero movie. Uh, she was a super soldier, and then uh, um, what's his name? Not Tyrant. Uh, oh, Nemesis. Nemesis. No CGI. Nemesis was just a cool as shit monster, and it, it, I, I like a lot of monster movies that that don't rely so heavy. I mean, I like CGI in part, but uh, they did a lot of practical effects with him and I just, I thought it was awesome. And uh, you you said from the expanded media, you had a familiarity with Joel uh, Valentine and probably they adapted a Resident Evil 3 to books anyway, right? Like that yeah, story arc? Like you were familiar it, with the Nemesis going in, right? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the first imports that I bought. Um, he's just such, it's such a cool look to the character. So. Uh, and but what about some of the other characters they brought in too? You know, they, they developed the the scientist and his daughter you had jill valentine you had you, you had some expanded characters too some guys that were from us uh, like i think they, they, the the uh, latino guy in that was also from resident evil 3 the um game like did you have familiarity with those characters or were you happy with how they were adapted no i didn't have any familiarity with them not even jill well jill uh i know i, I know like directly translating video games doesn't always work i, I, I just i found her outfit really weird weird i know 
know that's yeah, the offense. It's right out of the game. Begin, yeah. But tactically, it's so it's so the last thing you would wear. Yeah, especially because she's in the first game and that she's she's wearing, you know, tactical gear and the beret. And then all of a sudden she's like running around in a mini skirt in the third game. It's like Dude, what the fuck happened here? I'm listening to a uh, after apocalypse uh military zombie book series. And it's it's this dude interviewed all these different guys from these different special forces and stuff and and all these scientists i mean he really did his research for these books and i mean when when they're high like they have a a a delta force unit when they go in they have these like not bite proof but they're like a just about a woven light kevlar suit that they wear they wear face shields and it's it's just i I like that kind of realism because walking around in in short sleeves and a mini skirt and, and even like she carries her holster just around the thigh but with nothing connecting to her hip you know as soon as she flexed her leg muscle that fucking holster would have fallen off yeah I, uh, I can't wear like I can't, I can't put my cell phone in some pairs of shorts I've got but she's supposed to have a fucking gun <laughs> On her, just like, dude, like, like it's a fucking, uh, um, um, what do you, what are they at the wedding? You take it off and you throw it into the crowd for the guys. What do you call it? Oh, the, uh, garter. Yeah. She's like fucking gun garter. What the fuck is that shit? Dude, I can't even carry my Glock subcompact because it's too fucking heavy when, when it's loaded. It, it's, I got it for, cause I have my concealed carry permit. I had to end up going with a small, uh, revolver just because you had bullets to even a tiny gun and it gets if they get heavy there's just no fucking way yeah you're gonna go through a lot of bullets in the zombie if, if apocalypse she, for it not to come off her leg i mean she'd lose her leg because of it, it would be like a tourniquet <laughs> right getting into the tv show um oh, now yeah yes it's that time so here's the thing i, I want to explain because i'm not a binge watcher of shows at all my full intention was as it happens um uh, lance reddick is in town as we were recording and i kind of wanted since i've been getting all autographs more often I, I never used to get autographs but since I got into the a new uh, habit of getting commissions of the actors and then getting them to sign it that I've, I've never been a big autograph hunter but that gives it a, a variant where it's like oh this is a good reason I can show them a piece of artwork that somebody created and it's cool and it's one of a kind and it gives me an excuse to interact with the actor as well and get them to sign something and so that's been kind of fun I, I wasn't going to have time to get a piece to Lance Reddick but if I, if I happened to watch Resident Evil and it blew my mind I wanted to at least get a few episodes in before to, just to make sure because I've had, had, had like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a perfect example where the entire group of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was in town for Palooza back when that show wasn't a gigantic embarrassment piece of shit one of the worst conventions in the fucking country um, they, they had all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one year during the first season when I didn't really like the show or like any of the characters and then ended up spending seven plus years watching this show across all the seasons and developed an affection for a number of these people um, so it was kind of a missed opportunity so I wanted to see well let me check to make sure I know he's done a bunch of other stuff I've seen him in a number of things there was never anything that made me feel passionate enough about Reddick to actually go and get a signature from him and I wanted to make sure Resident Evil wouldn't be that thing so I knew I wanted to at least watch the, the pilot before the show and I was actually going to do that shit that most of the kids do that I just that I don't have the energy or time for where you watch like the midnight drop or the 3am drop or something but because yeah. you know I, I you know I, and I ended up passing out early and I woke up in the middle of the night and I had some stuff that I needed to take care of um, related to the show and commission 
resolutions and stuff. And I just plum forgot that I wanted to try to watch Pilot, so I didn't start watching it until that Friday. And as it happened, we had uh, relatives in town for the last several weeks, and they'd done it. They'd been in town last year, and they'd stayed for something like five to six weeks, to the point where both sides were like, "Please go home. You know, I, you want to go home. I want you to go home. Please go." Um, and so I, I had this sort of like PTSD when they were coming back again this year because they were here for so long last time. It's like, you know, uh, it wasn't bad at all and it wasn't that long of a stay. It was just a few weeks and stuff. But what happened is the night where they were supposed to leave, things got messed up and they ended up staying hours longer than they were supposed to. And so I'd started watching, I figured I'd watch, I watched one episode and then it naturally progressed to the second episode. So I probably would have been good to just watch the first two of the eight episodes and then I'd be out. But because I kept waiting for them to go and they kept not leaving, I ended up watching like five or so episodes in the first night maybe six episodes um so i don't normally do that and i definitely had strong reactions to having to watch that much of this show in that short span of time now you obviously binge it as well though because you were trying to warn us off of watching it at all i did binge it okay i worked from home wednesday night because it was coming out that next thursday it was coming out thursday wednesday night i just put in a marathon and i did all my freaking work that i would have for thursday and then i would just as assignments come in i would just handle them much more lazily than I normally would so I could watch it on Thursday so I had the day kind of just set to watch it and what a wasted day that was (laughs) I couldn't stop because I'm like I have to it's like one of those things where you're like all right I've already put in four episodes I got four more to go I have to finish it I started watching a verotic like at three o'clock in the morning one weekend and it was obviously fucking horrible one of the worst movies I've ever seen but because I'd started watching like the first segment and then the first segment was atrocious and I was like well screw the second segment gotta be at least a little bit better and actually the movie got progressively worse and it got later and later but I realized if I don't finish this now I'm never gonna finish it and I want to have had this experience so I could like truly warn people to never fucking do this shit and I feel like that was probably you with Resident Evil like you know if you don't finish this now you're never gonna go back and finish it and you just committed to it I never spoil stuff with you guys or, or really try to influence you until you've seen it but I thought it was so bad that in our group text you know i sent out guys don't you know i mean it was i just felt it was that bad they said the world would end in 2036 but they were wrong the world ended a long time ago umbrella a company besieged by scandal is now trying to reinvent itself The old umbrella made mistakes. <laughs> the things we're working on today, they're gonna change the world. Where it's safe we have a problem. The drug contains the T virus. The T virus can make monsters. Billions will die.
okay, first of all, it was like three different movies getting mashed together. And do we maybe want to set it up a little bit too for folks who haven't seen it? Because this movie has gotten, or this, sorry, this this season, the series has gotten like a huge and immediate backlash, especially from gamers, but really generally people just don't seem to like the show very much at all. And uh, they do a lot of recaps on those videos. So you probably people could just go and watch one of those and they would get the basics. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about too? Did you watch uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, the, the most recent movie that came out? Because I don't think we've ever talked no, about I that. No, I have not that yet. You have not no. seen that yet. Okay. The I impression that I, I, I liked it better than most, but uh, you know, you? I'm, a, I'm a lot more forgiving of, of, of zombie movies in general, but also with this franchise. I go in, I think, okay. with the correct expectations. And so I actually come out of enjoying it. You know, in a bizarre world situation, I enjoy this stuff more than most people as opposed to hating everything like normal. I feel like what happened is <laughs> they, they made that movie and they were they heard the complaints about the Paul W. Anderson version where it was just not enough fidelity to the games. And so obviously in the movie they try to be, uh, they try to put a lot more stuff from the games in there. A lot of characters, too many characters. They should not have tried to adapt one and two all in one movie. And they also shouldn't have ruined Leon S. Kennedy given that that's like the lead hero in almost all the animated features. And then in the live action movie they make him a fucking dumbass Gomer Pyle motherfucker. That was a huge mistake I think and turned a lot of people off. But I think that their thinking was that the movie would be a reset and it was set in the past anyway. I think they even referenced the years like 1998 or so. And so I think that the intention was, okay, this was, the movie's going to establish that the games essentially happened in this universe. And now the, the TV show is going to time jump to the year 2022, acknowledge that roundabout the games, acknowledge roundabout the, the previous movie, even though obviously it's not correct because they, they have a, a race swap on a character that it's a white blonde guy in the recent movie and it's an African-American gentleman in the TV show. But setting that aside, it's still more or less the continuity from the games and the expanded media. To, okay. But they're also trying to do a reset. So the, the first episode of the season is called Welcome to New Raccoon City. And it's been built by the Umbrella Corporation in South Africa. It's basically like the, uh, what's the guy, the Scorpio guy that, from the Simpsons in the early seasons where he's a oh, Bond Hank villain, but he's also Scorpio. a really good employer. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. So, so it's a pre-planned town. Everybody in the town works for the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, Albert Wesker is no longer like the super badass evil guy that, that works for Umbrella, in, in part because he's supposed to have died in the year 2009. Now it's a middle-aged black man who's a super scientist who's involved with uh, the uh, product that's going to revive the Umbrella Corporation, a joy, which is like the the the, the greatest antidepressant you know, uh, uh, upper you know that the, the world yeah. has ever seen, and it's going to like change the fortunes of the company. And there's like the daughter of one of the main scientists and, and the guy who ran the corporation in the early games. She's now running the corporation after basically having a hostile takeover of the board. And so she's trying to prove herself with this joy. And so in 2022, we're seeing Wesker getting settled in this new town with his twin daughters who are Aren't different races. <laughs> yeah. Plainly. So one is Asian, one is African American, and uh, they they were uh, raised by, they were produced by surrogates. And obviously things are a little bit amiss because uh, our um, Wesker here does not seem to have much luck with the ladies. There's been no women. Uh, the mothers were never present in these girls' lives. So it's basically been him as a workaholic scientist, but also as best as possible raising these daughters while also draining them of blood every two weeks. Uh, so uh, it turns out so he can inject himself to help with a virus that he's got or a problem, genetic problem that he's got. So that's the story taking place in 2022 is these girls trying to acclimate 
relate themselves to New Raccoon City. And then you also have the time jump to 14 years later where the adult version of the African-American child is trying to seek a cure or at least trying to better understand the zombie outbreak, which is completely taken over the world. It's very much like what happens in the uh, Resident Evil movies from three onward, where forget about any semblance of modern civilization. We're in Mad Max territory here. The whole world is split up into different kingdoms with different ways of, of handling their governments, none of which yeah. are ideal. And uh, so, so she's running around trying to basically gather samples. She's been away from her family for six months. She's able to communicate th with them via Skype because they still have, or Zoom or whatever the 2036 equivalent is. She's got a kid. She's got a guy. Um, she's communicating with them. Things Which, go awry. And so most of her... Just go back quickly to that, those, those Zoom calls. Yeah. That was easily the most out of place thing right away that you're like, dude, you're in Mad Max world, but you still have Wi-Fi. It, it, it was like, what the hell? It, it's definitely like difficult to gauge because some people are in like feudal states and some people are just sort of like in like run down an Eastern Bloc type of country kind of situations. Yeah. They've got Starlink, I guess, or some shit. Um, and then some places, again, like New Raccoon City, look like super nice suburbs that we we'd like to have today. So it's kind of all over the place. Well, but again, New Raccoon City, everything we see there is taking place in the year 2022. So that's another issue there. Um, so yeah, so this the story is basically the girls are trying to adapt. In the year 2022, the girls are trying to adapt to their circumstance. And then one of the girls gets bitten by a dog. And so we're waiting for her to turn into a zombie as expected. In the future, they, I mean, it's not, not much reveal. It's the Asian girl that gets bitten in the year 2022 because it's the black girl that's active in the year 2036. And she, her situation and gets the, fucked the too. Kids, the kids are, of course, in the, the, the 2022 scenes. One's got an attitude problem. The other is like an animal activist. Yeah. But well, they're two complete opposites. You're, you're a horror guy. You've seen Ginger Snaps, right? Yep. It's fucking Ginger Snaps, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've got the one girl that's like really kind of aggressive and she's the dominant personality and that's the African-American girl. And then you have the Asian girl that's more passive who supposedly has gone psycho on occasion and broke a guy's, you know, leg bone or some shit. But really she's so, she's so passive that it's a problem. And she's also um, super committed to like animals and animal cruelty and stuff. She got in trouble for releasing a bunch of, I think, frogs or something at some point. And she thinks yeah. that Umbrella's doing animal testing with bunnies. And so, which is one of the first hurdles to watching this show is how easily they're able to get into the Umbrella Corporation and cause problems and get bitten by a fucking zombie dog. But well, yeah, I think one of my yeah, main issues going into this was they made the, the, the black girl so fucking awful, so toxic, so foul mouthed and rude and, and offensive that it took yeah. me like three or four episodes into the season before I even started to forgive her for being such an awful person. Dude, I, there is no parent, I don't care how soft you are, that would have put up with the way that she treated everyone around her. Particularly uh -huh. the, the, the greeter lady oh, from Umbrella. What? It's like, this is, you don't know, like this, this is just, you're fucking with his job here. You're fucking with your well, own livelihood. What didn't make fucking sense either is you could see the way they're trying to go. Like these sisters are tight, but they, they have opposing views on stuff. But then like, okay, so the, the, the Asian daughter gets bullied. And I'm going to go ahead and start putting names in here too, because we can't keep throwing the race out there. So the, uh, the black girl is named Jade, um, okay. which is, you know, pretty easy name to remember because it's, it's ironic because it's the black girl is named Jade. And then the Asian girl is named Billy. And as it happens, the show begins and ends with a Billie Eilish song. So that makes right. that pretty easy to remember. Okay, obviously. Oh, Billy. Hang on okay. just a second because I'm going to write down their names. <laughs> 
let's not be the old white guys and just refer to the characters by the no, race the entire I podcast. I wouldn't have known. I, I can't tell you any of the guys in there either. No, like, I'm I, definitely going to struggle. I'm, I've got the, I went ahead and pulled up the cast to, to protect myself. I would have, if I paused for a minute, I could have thought about the girl's name because they say Jade and Billy so many times over the course of the season that if I paused to think about it, I could have remembered. But I, I, I needed the refresher because we've got an ongoing narrative where we're jumping from subject to subject. So, um, so but, the, but nobody else, you know, I, I remember Wesker because he's in all the games and I remember the two girls and all these other people I'm going to need ref for. So Billy gets really bullied at this new school, like t- bullied, like she, she goes up to this girl who is obviously ostracized from the rest of her friends and tries no, to make friends with her. The girl comes to her, like yeah, she's it, ostracized. It, it and so she really goes to weird. Billy's table and seemingly to be like, oh, let me try to find somebody who'll let me sit with them. And then immediately starts attacking her as fucking, the characterization is like from out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, just totally insults her and then starts beating the shit out of her. And which should have immediately been a fucking yo, you're going directly to the principal's office. It never should have gone beyond that. You've got an act of violence with a, a huge number of witnesses in an open area. And you know, it all came down because all Billy did was put her finger in the chick's face and then the chick started physically assaulting her. Yeah. Everybody can fucking see that shit. I'm sure they got cameras. This place is all about surveillance. So that well, should be the end of it right there. If, if, if you're going by any kind of logic and you're looking at the modern school system, there's no way that Billy's the one who's, who's uh, well, actually they just break it up and nothing comes of it until later on. So it's like, well, see, that doesn't even make any sense. So she gets attacked by this girl twice and which throws you out a little bit because where they're living at this new raccoon city, everything is state of the art. It seems like everyone has to live by these rules. It's it's almost like a, a, a Stepford Wives type town. Do you know what I'm saying? Like not, not the Stepford Wives, but like everything's the same. Everything has to look perfect. But then they allow this kind of behavior to go on. But that isn't even the worst part of that dynamic. The, the Jade, who has the absolute horrible behavior, decides that she's going to stick up for her sister. But she puts on this giant raccoon head like you see at Walmart in those bins. The school mascot, basically. Yeah. And attacks this girl while she's on the toilet, which I'm fine with. You know, if, if that's your sister and, and I, I totally get that. But then she sets up her sister later on by putting the head and the, the hammer in her locker. Well, and also, I think it's worth noting they're two different races. You couldn't, like, I, I don't remember how much skin was showing during the attack, but why would you, like, would you need, like, a full costume to completely cover everything. So how is it that she's managed to get a hold of something to cover her arms, something to cover her, her, her hands, and the thing covering her head, and nobody thinks there's anything to that, you know? And also, where did she even get the stuff from in the first place? She's new to the school, too. How the hell did she manage to get a hold of the mascot head without anybody miss, catching her yeah. or missing it until it's found in the fucking sister's locker? The only thing that you could maybe rationalize it is she she put it in her sister's locker to be like, I got you. You know, I, I got your back. I, no, I, th- I think she was did. framing her so that everybody would think that she was a dangerous and wouldn't Tough. mess with her. But it's still like really messed up logic yeah, to go there, you know. <laughs> Especially because she got ex- expelled from a previous school. So it's like, okay, are you going to be a psycho? Have you been framing your sister as the psycho the entire time and you're going to be the psycho? So it, it sets you up to think that this is a bad person. And this is the yep. person you're following throughout the show this is the character that you should have the most sympathy for and they're going out of the way to make sure you have no sympathy for her yep so then we go on to they call Wesker in because they're they're gonna kick her out of school the, the dad of the girl who bullied her wants to press charges this was one scene I really liked until the the end of the scene the, the dad Wesker pulls a power play everyone at 
that everyone in this town knows who he is and he's the most important man in the town period and he asks this, this other father what he does for a living and he's like okay I do this and then the uh he goes and how many people can do your job and he's like I, I don't know you know a few or whatever and 10,000 100,000 something yeah, like that like a thousand and then he's like there's only one person who can do my job so you'll be dropping charges and you'll be apologizing to my daughter I, I just I kind of dug the power play there well <laughs> especially because like, he's like I, I'll blacklist you if I tell him to I'm not just gonna get you fired I'll get you blacklisted Pornhub's yeah. gonna shred your resume it's like oh shit yeah it, it was stone cold it, it was solid but then after that he goes now your daughter attacked my daughter twice so then you're like what why are they even having this conversation if everyone in the room knows that this girl attacked Billy twice and wasn't punished for it at all I mean the the principal knows the dad knows well and these were like 80s assault they're doing stuff like yeah. smashing like meals into people's faces and stuff which in the, in the 80s would be like oh how funny today it's like no that you're going to jail for that that's that's literal assault and they you absolutely know, so it, it ruined the entire scene I thought I was like because I was like well maybe they they didn't see her attacking or you know I, I was just kind of playing it off as, as like a plot point they missed well it's just like you just said everybody knows that he's such an important guy why would he even have been in the meeting to dude, do the lines it, exactly like what you just said if he's that important and she attacked her the first time any other society would have had that dad in there and been like this we gotta fix this this cannot happen you're gonna you know this this is gonna be the end of the school this is gonna be the end of your life uh your professional life this is gonna be at the end of her uh education but well and let's not factor in the let's let's factor in the affluenza too like they know whose daughters this this is even if billy was the one attacking first she probably would have had a lot more relief than a normal person so it's yep. like like everything about that it's like you've you've literally pointed out what's wrong with the scene that you guys wrote so the, the and and for people who haven't seen it in my opinion that was the best scene of the movie and they literally killed it 30 seconds before it ended um i sat in my chair for like five minutes going should i shut this show off <laughs> should, should i just call it a day well and here's another thing i, I want to address too because i know this has popped up in a lot of the reaction videos is the wokeness of the show and i, I it's kind of brilliant i think it's one of the things i actually like about the show is you realize after a while that you're in this south african town and you're thinking that the race is going to be an issue that you know the, you've got an asian girl and a black girl and they're going to be around all these you know white kids but no they're there's the the white kids like i, I just recently rewatched the movie popcorn and you know they they filmed that in jamaica without realizing they were gonna have a problem when they're trying to set the movie in southern california and all the extras are black and they end up putting everybody in halloween costumes and masks to try to cover for the fact that the lion's share the extras watching the movie are black people in a place where they, they shouldn't be dominant well this show is kind of the opposite there should be nothing but white people and yet all the white people are in the background there's like one what? white guy who has a why consistent they, role why are people calling it whoa because it's I don't know I think because it's a, the girl centered and they're trying to say that it's more like a CW show and it's all about the girls and girl power and well, not about the Resident Evil shit I will say the 2022 stuff was definitely like a, a, a sister rom-com kind mm -hmm. of show like it didn't yeah. fit in mm -hmm. but I kind of don't get where people are saying it's whoa I, I, mean, I, I agree with they, that because they change, they change Wesker's skin color big deal who cares oh but a lot of people do care a lot of people are still upset about that if you can believe that like that's if that's that of makes, all the things to get hung up on that makes no fucking sense to right. me I mean, but but and what also doesn't make sense though is that you foregrounded ethnic character your 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 main guy on this show is a black dude the, the other 
main person is, is, a, is a black woman or girl, depending on what timeline you're at. Then you've got an Asian girl slash, you know, you've got an Asian girl. Yeah. Um, you've got I, I the, the main the antagonist of the show is a Latina. Huh? I, I guess I go by the actor's skill. Yeah. And the, he was by far the best part of that show. I mean, it, the, his acting was stellar in it. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, the lead protagonist is a Latina. It's, and, and, you know, like the bully is Indian. So it's yeah. like none of the white characters on that show except for one matter at all for the most part and they're all like background and it's almost like you have all these white people in the background to cover for the fact that the show has got nothing but uh, uh, minority leads except the problem is most of these characters are horrible fucking people and they go out of their way to show them being horrible people so it's like is there like if anything it's sort of anti-woke because yes in casting you've been colorblind but in character these are these are such awful people that I think a lot of the reaction is that you do not like most of these characters especially as the show progresses um, yeah. so that, it, that's a real struggle well like like you said the, the most sympathetic character which was Billy they turned her into the, the bad kind of piece of shit you know it was like uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 you know I hate to spoil it but we're, we're going to go into spoiler territory here you've had plenty of time uh, if you haven't seen the show to kind of catch up yeah, with so, so what, what happens is they, they tease the out, out. Oh, sorry I said if you don't want to hear spoilers get the hell out right so they tease out for, for about half the season that you know Billy's been bitten she's got a 72 hour clock uh, everybody knows that within three days you die they keep acting as though it's like like a, a, a detonation where you get to 72 hours and you go from normal person to psycho killer zombie like like there wasn't variations on that shit and everything but instead and, and you know you spend a bunch of time with the dad trying to find a cure and all this kind of bullshit it's a big deal because he's struggling because his boss is making him work on joy and obviously he wants to work on saving his daughter but also there's only 72 hours and he's got to keep it quiet because they find out that she got bitten then he's not going to have any time to work with her because they're just going to quarantine her or kill her or whatever and so it's a big thing throughout the show is like she's dying or she's having hallucinations and she's bleeding from the mouth and she's showing signs of becoming a zombie and you're waiting for that to happen and then they get to the 72 hour point or the 72 hour point and she doesn't and she's okay and then all of a sudden it becomes a different thing and then when you jump to the far future you spend all this time with just Jade trying to get back home after her, her assignment has blown up in her face and having to go through all this hostile territory and running into all these obstacles um, and, and part of the reason for this is because her sister is still alive in the future she's apparently become evil she's apparently like the head of Umbrella now and she's actively pursuing the sister and anybody you know it, it's one of the things that I hate about all of the movies uh, really everything you know even even the, the cartoons is that you could have a really interesting commentary on the inherent evil of corporations and they even try to play with that a little bit by attacking Facebook early in the series even though like everybody hates Facebook so it's not really controversial to go after them but because they make Umbrella so super duper evil where like anybody who even comes into contact with Jade in the future is going to get wiped out like oh she was in this camp and they captured her so that she could we can turn her under over to Umbrella great we're going to shoot the leader guy we're going to wipe everybody out and give the Jade time to escape from the camp because we're so busy killing everybody when we could have just I don't know maybe get her on the helicopter first and then drop a bomb or something but no they got to immediately well, start massacring everybody and they do this over and over again and they're just so there's never been a Resident Evil property that focused less on the zombies. Yeah, I can't I can't dispute that. Although I do like, one of the things I did like about Joe is they focus so much on the zombies in the movies, but you'll have a boss, but usually it's Wesker or someone like that who turns into a monster. But for the yeah. most part, it's zombies, zombies, zombies. And they always forgot about all the other monsters that were non-zombies within Resident well, Evil, all the other creatures. One thing I did like about the show is they finally got into some of those creatures as well, specifically the giant 
giant spider, which just hasn't been touched on very much. And I wish, it, you know, they stopped making the movies years ago, and, they, and really the last few movies didn't touch very much on the newer monsters. And we got some of that in the most recent movie. But one of the things that was nice about the, the as the, the uh, Anderson movies were coming out slowly but surely, they would incorporate at least some of the stuff from the new games as it progressed. But because you had such huge gaps in the last few movies, and because it seemed like they lost all interest in adapting anything from the games after a certain point, there's just tons of stuff from those later games that never gets touched on. And I, well, I it, it's weird because like I'm excited to see some different stuff on the TV show, but it's literally like giant spiders from the first fucking game. So it's like, it's not really new, just new to live action, it seems like. Another thing that I absolutely hated was Jade's entire journey to get the hell out of the city. Everywhere she's going, zombies are munching on the people around her, but they're ignoring her. Leading you to kind of believe that she has like some kind of spray or something that that doesn't mark her as as like a, a dinner item. I think what they alluded to in that first scene, which a lot of people got pissed off about, where she sprays herself and then she's watching the bunny, and then they the zombies chase after the bunny, and then she accidentally cuts herself on the serrated edge of a containment tanker, and it's like, well, you're a scientist out in the field under these circumstances. The last thing you're gonna do is hang out anywhere where there's all these like serrated bits of metal you could cut yourself on. But I think what they were alluding to was she puts like cologne or something to make herself smell good so that the okay. zombies don't really detect her although but that doesn't really make a lot of sense. That. She didn't even invent that until the final episode. Right, right. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is that they, they tried to say when she was in that first encampment that the reason why the zombies got agitated at certain times of year like the summertime was because they could smell the B.O. from the humans and that attracted the zombies. So I'm assuming she's spraying some sort of cologne that helping to mask her somewhat but then once she bleeds they can smell the blood on her and that's what activates the zombies attack her at her initial camp. But it's, but even, it's a stretch. Even when she was running through all the different Mad Max zones. You would have zombies grabbing other people. She would literally run through a pack of zombies that are charging. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm recording this after coming back from a convention, and I wasn't really, you know, it wasn't an endurance contest or anything, but I'm still kind of sticky from that. So I'm pretty sure that being in this non-air-conditioned areas with all these fucking sweaty people, uh, after having gotten your ass kicked by a giant worm and stuff, and yeah. I wonder what happened with the internal bleeding these guys thought she had, too. I guess that just sort of went away. Um, but, but yeah, I'm pretty sure by that point, whatever perfume she had on has been washed away by her own sweat and blood, and it makes no damn sense that she's not getting attacked more thoroughly. And they did kind of allude to that somewhat, where she jumps into the zombies, and they're gunning down the zombies specifically to protect her so that they can capture her. But it's all really stupid and doesn't make any real logical sense. Yep, and it just didn't get better. Uh, I will say, one of my favorite bits was when she's trying to make contact with a person who helped smuggle her to the initial camp, and uh, he has since passed on, but his wife hasn't let him go. And all the stuff related to that I thought was pretty funny. But a lot of the stuff that came out, like, I made a point of watching a lot of the YouTube reviews of the show. And one of the things that comes up over and over again is people did not find the future narrative anywhere near as compelling as the past narrative. And there was a lot of complaint about how CW that was. I don't agree because you would expect a lot more soap opera and a much more expansive cast. Really, once they've dealt with the bully in the first episode or so, it's just three characters. It's the two sisters and then there's a, a, a hunky hacker guy named Simon that Jade's attracted to and is helping her to, to navigate, you know, the situation with her sister and then afterwards. And um, it's just those three characters. And there, there's a little bit of drama because Jade keeps getting distracted by the hot guy and Billy's like, hey, I'm dying here. You need to pay attention to me. It, you've always been so selfish and shit. But yeah. what, they make a point of having the guy say one of the things I'm attracted to about Jade because she's super fucking bossy, super rude, super, uh, uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, she expects, you know, him to do what she wants. And, you know, like entitled, you know. And she's a rich girl and she's been raised by Albert West 
Oscar. That sort of makes sense, but it doesn't really make sense that he's such a, a masochist that he's just doing everything she says. But he does say that one of the things he likes about her is how hard she goes for her sister and how much she loves her sister, obviously. And that's part of why he wants to help her and shit. <clears throat> but of course, it turns out that he's the son of the main antagonist of the show. And I, I guess I ought to go ahead and get her name too. So it's Evelyn Marcus, who is the daughter of one of the big muckety mucks from the early games. And uh, she's the one who's yeah, pressuring, you know, she, she's the ruthless one. She's the one who knows that Joy could potentially cause another outbreak. But because it's it's a, a trillion dollar uh, medication that's going to completely revive uh, um, Umbrella and also cement her role as leader, she doesn't care. She's still pushing forward with stuff. But it's super duper convenient that they just happen that the other major character throughout the early portion of the series has to be her fucking son. It's like, oh, geez, that's a CW twist. But between the cursing and the violence and the just the simple focus, like I, I, I watched the first several seasons of Supergirl and I tried to watch some of those Arrowverse shows and I've, I've caught some CW stuff here and there and they're so heavy with soap opera and so heavy with characters and so lacking in focus that uh, I can't stand to watch any of that shit and I don't think it's really fair to call it CW but it's definitely teen drama probably more like a euphoria without all the titties basically uh, probably yeah. more in that lane I think it was garbage so the future stuff with where they've gotten getting the monsters did you like any of the monsters did you like any of the zombie stuff did you find any of it cool or funny or anything I thought the alligator was pretty cool I mean all the monsters look cool um, yeah, and it looks like it cost some money I mean they had to stage a lot of action sequences they had to have a lot of extras it, this didn't look like a cheap show the, no their CGI on the monsters was good it was solid um yeah they <sighs> I can you're, literally you're not like no no from which angle to attack it is that where we're at dude it, it, the show there's so many problems that it's like where do you start I feel like well uh, and that's why I kind of want to defend some stuff is that like uh, from those reviews people uh, seem to really like the or not really like that's nobody really likes anything about the show the the main area of interest is in the 2022 material and I, I thought that was the more engaging of the two yeah uh, and uh, I, I, I somewhat disagree because <clears throat> the future material material is informing the past material so it's sort of like creating stakes to some degree and and you know again like the, the sequence with the uh, her uh, in the apartment with the husband I enjoyed that and I was I was interested like uh, I think that the sequence where they're in the um, brotherhood territory and they're in the prison that's being powered by the zombies and you've got the guy with the potato sack on his head with the chainsaw and stuff I enjoyed a lot of that stuff I enjoyed the action choreography and stuff it is weird to me though because you've got that uh, a bad guy character the heavy set dude I think he's Baxter and yeah. like they have him stumble on the stairs at, at, or when they're first introducing him so it almost seems like they're making fun of him a little bit like he's not as tough as he seems to be or like and he's trying to act John Wick the music. two episodes yeah. later yeah and then he has that incredible sequence where it's like this huge action beat for him um, and then so it's like okay well maybe this character is going to be alright after all and then they immediately kill him off it's like you fuckers man this, this movie's all about thwarting any potential it has you know like almost on purpose it seems like and uh, like the uh, the, the, one of my favorite bits in the whole show was in the episode where Simon is helping the girls navigate their house while their father's away to help them to investigate his background and so they do all this stuff in the games where they're trying to do all these puzzles and shit and they try to do a little bit of that in the most recent movie and it was kind of dumb and, and really contrived where here it actually makes sense because like oh, okay so these are all these ways that he's making sure that nobody gets into places in the house they're not supposed to get into and getting into things they're not supposed to get to you know the, he's got the gun safe essentially and shit like that 
And so it makes sense that he would have these convoluted things where he's trying to hide stuff, not just from the girls, but also from Umbrella and the big brains over there. So it, yeah, of course they'd have to go through all this stuff. And since the puzzles are such a big part of the games, it made me really happy to see the games represented. One of the things I really, really hate about all the Resident Evil media is that they play by Romero rule. And there is so much zombie shit that just seems so self-defeating. To me, what you should do with Resident Evil is you lean into what makes it unique. And one of the most unique things about it is that you getting bitten by a zombie is not a death sentence. You cannot play the games without getting bitten over and over again. That's why you have the herbs. That's why you have the AIDS spray. When you were mentioning Rebecca Chambers coming up with that uh, potion that's supposed to help prevent people indefinitely from becoming zombies, it's like, yes, yes, great, do that. That's what Resident Evil does that all the other zombie things don't do is it's not an immediate death sentence. And again, this is supposed to be taking place after all the original media since it's years after, you know, the 90s, you know, when the, the, the original stories were supposed to be taking place. So deploy that, uh, well, you know, sh and, and they don't. They just constantly go back to doing shit like in every other zombie media. It just not only that, they don't do the puzzles, they don't do the zombies. The zombies themselves make them scary mm -hmm. instead of cartoonish. Yeah, and, and that's one of the complaints I saw a lot of. There is nothing scary or even particularly tense at no. any point in the show. There's It's, it's but, action. But tell me, tell me if, if you would have, like, say, taken the zombies from 28 Days Later. I understand that they, they weren't zombies. They had... Uh, we're not, we're not having that argument. They're fucking zombies. Carry on. But, but, dude, those things could be terrifying. Me and Max saw that first movie in the theater. We're grown... We're, I mean, we're maybe not grown-ass men, but we're technically men by that point. And I think both of us pretty much had our feet up in our seats, because especially uh, during the sequence with the priest. Yep. Those, the, there's a reason why fast zombies caught on after that, because they were fucking terrifying. Yep. Relentless horrors, which is something you could... Like, Resident Evil, they, they have slow zombies, but they also have fast zombies, and they have faster creatures. There's ways of making them scary that they didn't take advantage of. They did not seem to have any interest in showing anything that was really horrific. They tried to have some thriller tension. They had drama. They had action. But they just completely did not do anything with the horror. And one of the things I was explaining to Bikita when I was talking about the games is they would do shit like fuck with the camera angles. You know, they'd give you the horror movie camera angle. We watched uh, The Black Phone before, you know, the show came out. And that movie is all about putting you in situations where you're like all tense and spooked and startled. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're playing the games and you like, you think you've cleared a hallway and then you go running down the hallway and the windows blow out and it's hands or it's birds or it's a dog or whatever. Um, there's so many opportunities, even if you just got to go for cheap ass jump scares in that context, go for the jump scares, but they didn't go for any scares. Everything was so mm -hmm. telegraphed and slowish in terms of presentation. You, there's a bunch of zombies. Nothing startles you there. We know the spider's coming. They telegraph it over and over again. Uh, we barely get any use of the dog. They try to get some tension out of the dog, but not really any scares. And what's the point of having a horror franchise with no horror in it? Bro, I'm fat. I'm out of shape. I got a million health problems. I would have no problem walking through that Mad Max land with a baseball bat. It just wouldn't have... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't scary. It was just... For one of the most iconic and fearsome images when it comes to zombies is all the hands reaching out to you. You just got the sea of hands reaching, grabbing you, and tearing you to pieces. Yep. Uh, and you never get that in this whole thing because they're always so... like it, It's like clearly COVID conditions. You're like, and I get that they have to do COVID conditions, but they're also outdoors. And it's like, obviously, if it, nobody with active COVID should be out and about and shit anyway. But like, they're so spread out that you never have that. So it's like, you know what? Then don't do fucking zombies zombies then or or, yep. or figure out a way to trick it. like all those years watching westerns where they make it look like the 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 uh, horses or the uh, the train or like right on top of our heroes because they trick out the camera angles 
Well, guess what? You, you need to put on your big director pan, find a way of shooting it to where it looks like the zombie's right on top of you and not be because you can't shoot it from a distance where you can clearly see that everybody's feet, you know, yards apart to make sure that nobody's getting coughed on, you know? Yeah. You're going to have to make certain sacrifices if you're going to try to do this sort of material, you know? Put them in fucking masks under the latex if you got to, but you got to figure out a way of making these guys an imminent threat and not like, you know, a loose collective of assholes at a convention where you're like going to just have to muscle your way down the convention's floor, you know? Yep. Like literally, I, coming from a convention, I had more harrowing situations at the con just walking down all, uh, alleys <laughs> than, I, than that whole, that chick had throughout that entire fucking series. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh... It was a rough ride. So, do you want to move on to the kind of the ending act? Well, see, this is this is where I'm having issues too. Is you've got the 2022 stuff, and then you've also they start bringing in, you know, like we spend a lot, okay, I, again positives. Not only is Albert Wesker as played by Lance Reddick cool, and I enjoy him, but they get really involved in, you know, again, it's a weird thing. I don't think there's a thing in the games. It's it's a thing in the the movies, the the Miliovic oh, movies. Oh, yeah, the we cloning. totally skip over that. That part. Yeah. So you have the cloning, and so you have all these different cloned uh, copies that's that's Wesker has created because he's wanting to preserve his own life, and because he wants to basically have a, a workforce. And so some of them are more defective than others. But what's funny to me, you know, the actual Wesker comes down, and we all know what Wesker is supposed to look like. He's all up in the leather and shit. And you realize when you cast the black man as Albert Wesker, oh, Wesker dresses like Blade. And you know, my girlfriend's watching it, and she's like, "Is he Blade?" I'm like, "No, he's not Blade." But it occurred to me something as simple as as adding another. Um, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes character making him more Simon Phoenix give him the blonde fucking uh, you know dye job and I wouldn't be thinking about Blake I would immediately be like oh that's that's Wesker and especially since the actor is bald so there's no reason why he couldn't have been a bald uh, blonde guy earlier on and now he's a bald yeah. guy if they just defrosted his hair for that one sequence where he's obviously wearing a wig anyway I wouldn't be thinking about Blake think that. because he did they didn't exactly like Blake. he's Blake yeah what the fuck just like just think about it you know just think about it for a second before you do this shit you know, hell, they could have had a Lance Reddick in whiteface and then be like, okay, well, I did a race swap, you know, literal yeah. race swap on my clones. It's a clone anyway. There's so many ways, like you said, it's a self-defeating show. There's so many ways you could have explained that to make it work just a little bit better. Just a little tweak would have made it better. And they, they went in the wrong direction so often. Like they have, a, they, there's a crossroads and they always seem to go the wrong way on every single opportunity like that. Yep. But because you have the clones, that's when they introduce his defective brother. And uh, that's a fun character. That's an interesting yeah, character. That, and, and that, they, that did shows his range. they did a good job with the clones. I, I'll give them that. I enjoyed those parts. Um, it is funny where he has like the whole fucking Forrest Gump. Let's stop all the action for a minute and tell you the moral of the story at that one point. Anyway, it wasn't a bad little speech that he gives, but it's like, uh, we're in the middle of a zombie meltdown here. Can we maybe not, you know, have, have He-Man run up and, and, and tell you, you know, yeah, that's how you win the battle kind of bullshit. It's like, what? Where did that yeah. come from? It was, it was well written, but it's like, maybe not now. Maybe do that like, you know, at the end of the season or something it's so random and then the boyfriend who is the son of the head of, of umbrella or yeah i guess it is it's still umbrella right yeah, it's, uh, it's umbrella on the show and i, I want to say too uh I, I i when i was seeing the trailers for this with paula nunez as the actress uh -huh. she has kind of a odd expression
expression throughout this show. I, I don't, I won't, I don't know if that's her default face. I think she's making a face. Um, and when I would see it in the trailers, I was like, well, that's pretty arch. I don't think that's, you know, so, so great. Um, but as her presence is much more deeply felt throughout the series and she's just like absolute, she's a, she's a total evil person with sympathetic motivations, with understandable motivations. I really enjoyed her performance as Ellen Marcus. And because she goes so big with it, I have a lot of fun with her. I thought she was great. And, and she's one of the only characters on the show that I don't find fault in because she's always the worst. And she's supposed to be the worst because she's the bad guy. And I think she completely goes there with it. And I, I, I enjoyed her performance in the show quite a bit. Yeah, man. When, uh, when her, her kid gets infected, I, I think it's important to tell folks how the kid gets infected because well, this is one okay, of the things that's so. so fucking frustrating about the show is you've got two teenage girls who with a bunch of fucking internet bullshit where they're wearing like miners hats to blind the cameras and a recording of their dad to get into all these different sections. I think they might have a key card too. There are no guards. At no point does anybody like stop them. Is there any real obstacles for them? They're, they're just they're roaming they're around this fucking high tech complex. Can't stop a high schooler from getting in. And they do it repeatedly multiple yeah. times what the fuck and, and again uh, some of that's probably COVID conditions but you needed to figure something else out you needed to CGI some fucking guards in there or something or just maybe don't go with this plot point maybe he brings the work home with him or something and that's how they end up getting infected but going in and out of this, the building over and over again and then especially once some of the members of the family are captured and so they're going in to save them not as commandos they're not fucking Leon and Chris and Jill and uh, it's, it's fucking a couple of teenage girls uh, one of whom is having uh, problems with an infection that's causing her to have hallucinations and shit. They're just going in and out of this place like more easily than you can get into a high school, you know? Like you said, they're high school girls. It, it seems like they have greater restrictions navigating their high school than the fucking Umbrella Corporation. But, so how does the son get bit though? So he's, was he holding Billy back? Billy bites him because she's kind of like a, a dog that's starting to go rabid. Like, she'll be normal and then she'll have like this these fucking anger, like blowouts. And trying to, was he trying to help her? I think that she was hallucinating like dogs and stuff and she had started okay. to attack her sister or somebody and, and he tried to pull her off and she bit and again you know it, they do this all the time in zombie movies so I really can't call a foul on it but he not only like she has perfect bite marks on his and, and perfect penetration uh, she doesn't have fangs or anything she doesn't have canines but she manages to like perfectly imprint upon his hand, arm uh, and, and presumably infect him even though I'm not even sh sure yet this the way they've sta staged this stuff if Umbrella should even know that that's how it would be passed from one person to another but you and know and they've never explained why other people turn fully zombie but she turns into like this not really zombie no actually they do explain that uh, do uh, they? yeah what it is is the, the reason why Wesker was injecting his the daughter's blood into himself because well, his cellular structure was breaking right down. and so he genetically engineered the girls to produce those qualities that would help him to survive but also as a side effect of that uh, it made Jade super intelligent and it made Billy like super resilient and, and uh, so she had a natural defense where the infection can attack her indefinitely it seems like it seems like they, they, when they would put her blood under the microscope you would see her cells being attacked by the T virus but it would not ever actually infect the cells so basically they were cohabitating within their body and so she was having bodily stresses from that but she wasn't actually becoming infected and wasn't turning oh then I missed that I didn't get that part so but regardless um. she bites the son and this is the point where Evelyn Marcus is confronting them and all the shit that's going on she sees her son gets bit and she doesn't even try to save him uh, she just shoots him in the head immediately dude and that <laughs> I kind of knew it was coming but still I'm like damn 
dumb. That was rough. That was definitely a that was a twist. And and this is after you find out that she's been drugging her wife for God the, knows how long. Yeah, it, well, no, not God knows how long. She the wife is about to leave her in the first episode, and by like the second or third, she's saying, "Oh, I'm such a great lady. I was able to turn her back for me." But again, like the people who can't stand anything remotely progressive, you've got a, a dad who's got daughters from surrogates, who's one of the main people in the show, and the other main person, the main villain, is a, a lesbian with a wife and a son that I guess was you know. Since given that he has a South African accent and, not, and the mother has a, a, a Latin, Latin accent, light, but it's still there. And the other mother is just like generic white chick accent. Obviously, they did not give birth to this kid. Or if they did, he was raised in South Africa and somehow developed an accent and also looks nothing like either one of them. So there, there's a lot of a, a, a different family structures in this show. And given that there are so few lead characters, it's hard not to miss that none of these are conventional families, but they're all fucked up in the head and awful people. So it's like, is it progressive? or is it like this weird sort of undercurrent of like inherent flaws in all these people that are not in the mainstream, you know? Uh, it, it, is it woke or is it actually that, secretly that insidiously kind of anti-woke? Yeah, I don't understand that shit, the, the whole wokeness or whatever. I, if I like a show, I like a show. If I don't, I don't. It has nothing to do with race or garbage like that. Well, so. I, wanna, I, I, get, I like that they went with the cast and they went with. I just wish that they gave us more characters to root for because one thing that kills me, and again, we're going back and forth the narrative too. There, there's two parallel narratives throughout this season. We're spending a bunch of time in the future and uh, eventually toward the end, I think it was the fifth episode or sixth episode, they spend an entire episode in the 2022 timeline and that's where a lot of this stuff is happening where the, the, all the break-ins and the revelation of the clone uncle and all that shit's going on and then they spend an episode in the future and that's when you see that the uh, uh, Billy has survived and she's become evil. She's running the corporation. She's somehow turned Evelyn Marcus into an unaging meat puppet that she controls with an iPad which is singing Dua Lipa songs and doing like show tunes and shit like dancing around like a rocket um, which again yeah. weird horror moment I didn't have a problem with it but it's like you know it's still like you you can't people don't work that way it's like is she a clone is she a robot is it, act, it seems to be the actual person none of these people age correctly um, so it's kind of a mess so there's there's a, there's a confrontation with the sister and also the uh, with Jay she manages to find what she's been looking for the entire time. She's trying to find an alpha zero. They call those zombie zeros on this. Or not an alpha zero, but a, a, an enhanced version. Basically the next evolutionary step in the zombies because as the disease is supposed to progress and as the zombies are supposed to evolve, they should become either less virulent or more intelligent and be able to like do more with them. And so what they find at the Brotherhood camp is that there's the reason why they're able to use the zombies as a labor force is there's one mama zombie who uh, has a, a gland that's grown out of her neck and and she screams at the other zombies and makes them do what she wants them to do uh, based on them feeding her, you know, uh, humans and, and blood to basically satisfy the queen, which is a very kind of aliens thing they've got going on there. And so she tells the drones, well, help power these turbines and shit, you know. Um, and it, it supposedly it's not through sound because the zombies can't hear anymore. It's supposed to be through a pheromone being projected by her saliva as she's screaming and shit. How, yeah. you know, we've, especially with COVID, we've got a sense of how well that would work. No matter how much you screen, there's a certain distance you can get where you can communicate that stuff to other people and stuff. So it's a little bit like there's no way you're screaming so loud that the entire prison is doing what you want them to do. It probably would have been better to go with sound, but they did what they were going to do. And so in order to uh, finally get, you know, examine this, this, this Omega zombie, whatever you want to call it, she hacks off of its head and takes it back to her home base. She's in a group that's um, called the Academy, I think it is, or the University. And it's basically where all the fucking intelligentsia have gone, all 
all the scientists, all the artisans. You got kids who are, you know, becoming piano aficionados and shit. Uh, that's where you finally get her to go back and see her daughter, who, again, a problem with the show is she intentionally abandons her daughter for six months with her domestic partner, who is not the father of the child. And of course, the whole time we're thinking that she's Simon's kid, but Simon is killed by his mom before they have any sort of intimacy. So yep. now it's a mystery for the second season who the actual daddy is. And the daughter is also super genius and a prodigy because of the, the engineering that the dad did. And so you have a whole episode where it's her studying the gland and still struggling with being an absentee mom to her daughter. And, you know, eventually Umbrella gets a hold of them and she's captured. And so she tells her daughter basically the same thing that happened with the, her and her sister 14 years earlier. You know, I've got a, I've got a, a bug out bag. Go get that. Get off the ship because Umbrella's going to do terrible things to you. But then she proceeds to, and, and she gets taken to the island. Uh, there's all this shit going on with drones and zombies. Wait, we skipped a part. Oh yeah, uh, an important part. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Every freaking zombie movie does this. She goes out and captures a zombie on her own to try out her new therapy on it to see yeah, if it works. And explain that too. I, I didn't touch, you, we, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but it actually explained what they do. Like how they get there. In an oil tanker? No, I mean like the, the spray. Okay, so it, it was the gland. Something in the gland added to her blood could make the zombies attack or could make the zombies they, they, they came up with two different serums one would make the zombies attack and one one pheromone would make you invisible I, I think it was a, a track and repel basically I, either you, they they couldn't send you or they were actually disgusted by you and they didn't want to be around you or they you, it'd be like the pheromone was like ooh give me some of that and they'd rush to you which is where I got kind of pissed off and lost because I was like well did she have that shit back in the beginning when she was running through all those zombies and they weren't even trying to grab her you know so that was kind of a pissed off point for me um, but the worst was what, what every zombie movie does. They She captures a zombie to try out the shit on, sneaks her on board of this, you know, this entire community, ties her up with old chewed up uh, storage straps. And, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's a fantasy movie, but at the same time, there's got to be some type of realism. If me and you were going and grabbing a zombie and bringing it and, and dude, I would have that thing freaking roped duct tape. I would have a gag. And it's my, I mean, they're just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put your entire community and your daughter, who's like the most important thing in the world to you at, at such a, in, in such a dangerous situation. Like she lets her daughter even watch the whole thing. I mean, it, 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 it was really frustrating by, by the end of that thing. And, you know, yeah, of course it, the zombie gets out. Well, yeah. And see, that's what I want to, uh, that's, that's, that's the key point. Okay. So I think that the performance in this show pretty much across the board are really fantastic. Uh, Young Jade Wesker is played by Tamara Smart. Um, she doesn't bear the strongest resemblance to the actress who plays the adult version. They both pretty much try to make it work with just her hairstyle. She has a distinctive hairstyle. But I yeah. think she's really exceptional young actress. I think she does a great job. Uh, Adeline, okay, I, hold on. Uh, the young young Billy Wesker is played by Sienna Ogudong. And she is so sympathetic. You like her. She's she, she's yeah. the character I think you like the most over the course of the show. Both, because they make her so sympathetic. Young, both the young girls were great actresses. Fucking fantastic. 
plastic, I mean, right? And then the older yeah, versions... Don't let the garbage show take away from their performances. I mean, they there are kids who are absolutely like that. Talk to their parents that way. And like you said, Billy was so sympathetic, you wanted to give her a hug the whole freaking time. But and, even the uh, older actresses, like Ella Belinska as as the adult Jade Wesker, I, 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 I struggle more with her because, you know, again, everywhere she goes, everybody fucking dies, and she keeps making super colossal blunders throughout the show. And again, because of how we're introduced to the character, you kind of can't stand her. And then as the series progresses, as we see the good side of Jade, both in the past and in the present, more so in the past, she starts to kind of win you over a little bit, or at least you forgive her for the, the bad early start. But then she does that. And specifically, it's like her and an Indian scientist who's like also her best girlfriend. And just a really identity crisis it. They make sure to let you know that she's recently pregnant. And Jade manages to figure it out because she's so super intelligent. They work together to come up with the sprays. They manage to come up with a spray in just a fantastic amount of time. It's like a matter of days they figure this shit out, right? Like, just super duper, right? And, uh, this thing revolutionary... All on an oil tanker that it, it, it's not like a high-tech umbrella oil tanker. Right, it's, it's whatever they can scavenge, right? Yeah. And and so they work it out together and they manage to actually figure it out and they're both super excited. They've worked so hard for this and uh, all they have to do now is they need to talk to their bosses to, to figure out how they can get a hold of some zeros to test the shit out on. Give us a few days. There's an island nearby that they're all going to end up on anyway. Let's just, you know, we've got we've got time we can do this. But fucking Jade, who again has been responsible for so much death and destruction of the course of this series. But it's finally, you know, the whole point is she's trying to redeem herself and the things that her father did, the things that she did. She's there. She's done it. We, we can finally be like, okay, this chick's going to save the world. You know, we can forgive a lot of shit if you're going to save the fucking world, right? So she goes out on her own in the middle of the night, fishes a zombie out of the water that's, that's frozen into inactivity, brings it on the board of the ship, straps it in there with some fucking nylon. Her daughter, the super genius, figures that well, what she's doing and checks her out. She sprays herself, not her daughter. Her daughter is right there. Oh, I'm spraying myself. Maybe while my daughter's here watching this, I should spray her too. No, doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. So she goes up to test it in front of her daughter. Again, not a handcuffed zombie, not a fucking gag zombie, fucking gnarly nylon. And the zombie's not reacting to the mom, but of course the daughter. And you're you're a father. Of course your kid's gonna walk up behind you and get a closer look, thinking everything's okay as long as they're behind you. And the zombie freaks out and immediately goes chasing after the daughter. And then not only does she almost get her kid killed, but the one person who does get killed by the zombie is her pregnant best friend that helped her come up with the shit in the first place, who will probably be important for mass producing the shit. For all we know, she's the one who actually did most of the fucking work. We don't fucking know. So yep. she has the fucking die. Her husband has to watch her die. Her husband almost shoots Jade as a result, justifiably. But her surrogate dad, her partner, Arjun, an, again, an Indian fellow. So again, a nice diversity with the cast. He had to basically save her. And so, okay, so then she's eventually got to go to the island to confront her sister. She's, of course, got the sprays. That's where all the zombies come from. She smashes the bottle, which somehow, again, we know this about COVID, you know, with all the shit about how shit particles, how particles fly through the air stuff. Somehow, one bottle of this cologne gets across an entire fucking island. And not, this island... Not only the island. Oh, they're coming out of the water, water, too. Right? Yeah. And so, and again, this is like the whole rat catcher thing in Suicide Squad, where it's like, this is a, a this is an isolated space. We're, how this many zombies 
get into this section in such a rapid pace, like in a matter of minutes. And of course, how did it spread far enough to where it would attract all of them? It's just completely ridiculous. And so eventually, you know, cut, cut long story short, she ends up back on the boat and they, they'd already been playing with how they created this gigantic alligator uh, just as a defense mechanism, like a, as a nuclear option. And they unleash the alligator to go to the island because they have to make sure that nobody from Umbrella, not a single helicopter gets off that island because they can come out and just wipe everybody out on the on the uh, 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 university ship. And all this is happening. And somehow she managed to forget, oh yeah, didn't I tell my daughter to grab the bug out bag and get the fuck off the boat? Where do you think she's going to go? The nearby island. But somehow she manages to forget this until after the fucking alligator's been released, after a whole fucking debate between herself and the leadership and her husband, who somehow has managed to be a mucky muck too. So we're talking about a minimum of 30 minutes, 40 minutes of past by since she's been on the ship, knowing she specifically told her daughter to leave. And of course, as a viewer, I'm watching this going like, where's your daughter? Where's your daughter at? You know, because you told her to fucking go and she's a genius. She's gone to the island where you just unleashed the alligator. You cannot come back from that. I hated that character. Like, I would already hate the character just because I knew what was going to happen when she started fucking around with Braves. And she just got worse and worse to the point where she is just completely redeemable. She is a danger to everybody. She's responsible for almost all the bad things that happens. There's no way I can continue to watch this character on a goddamn show. So I went back and forth like the first th three episodes I was really struggling with. I started to finally get the groove of the show and see the, the better parts of it around four, five, six. And then they just completely annihilate any sympathy I could ever have for that character. A terrible parent, terrible life partner, terrible sister, just everything. Terrible She's friend, just the worst. Everything garbage. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh... And, and, and the lead up to season two is the sister, as all these zombies are coming in, has all these drones with machine guns just that never run out of bullets flying all around her and eventually creating up, a circle around her where she's gunning down her own men yep ends up shooting her sister in the guts and oh yeah we forgot to mention that she's got the same degenerative issue as her dad and so she's been trying to get her sisters the entire time so she can inject her blood but once they find out that the daughter is on the island they just take the daughter yep. and let's not forget the part where they, they her and her partner jump on the boat to go save the daughter the boat, of course, gets wrecked by the alligator. <laughs> the, the partner has got legs broken, left on the side of the beach. Mom's going to go find the daughter, finds her just in... Oh, it's, they don't even explain why the alligator doesn't attack the daughter. Because she... No. Unless... Because we never see her get sprayed. Um, and, 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 and so, like, there's this whole tug of war where it's like, you're not going to take my daughter. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take your daughter. She gut shoots her sister. And I guess the only rationale I can come up with is that just in case the daughter doesn't help to cure her degenerative disorder, she could go back and get her sister but if that's even an issue you've spent years trying to find the sister take the fucking sister with you if you're not gonna take the sister with her shoot her in the fucking head so she's not a problem anymore well and, it's and just so illogical this show makes the same problem as a ton of other shit shows they it's a fantasy show but they take all the realism out and and saying that is this is a post-apocalyptic world she just got shot in the guts that's a death sentence in our world a lot of times there's so much bacteria in your intestines when you get shot it, 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 it's like a fucking bomb of poison goes off inside you but you know she'll be back next season just with a limp or something you know it's I don't know I don't think there's a next season you know I, I think that the backlash has been so severe that they'd be foolish to go back for another season so you know my head can and she dies on the well, island with I her mean, boyfriend a, and the daughter gets the, that was the setup for what was supposed to be obviously another season oh sure sure yeah that's a setup but like it, there's, there's no I I can't, I could not believe, like, and the other thing too is, again, she's defending her daughter, who she knows her sister is trying to capture to, ex 
exploit. And yet she can't, of all the things she's done horrible, she just can't bring herself to shoot her sister to save her daughter. But after being at war with her sister for a year, 14 years, it's like, are you fucking, like, like there, there's the emotional logic doesn't check out. The story logic doesn't check out. It's just like the show is intentionally frustrating you. Like, it, it's almost like a fucking, the show almost trolls you, it seems like. It's so ill-conceived. <laughs> It does. It totally does. And see, my, my theory, okay, like the, the person who show ran is Andrew Dobb, who did most of the late seasons of Supernatural. And, you know, that show lasted 15 fucking years and people loved that show to pieces. I've, I've, I used to catch it while I was working. It'd be on the TV and I've, I found it rather addictive. And I know that that's a show where they just went through impossible links to keep the main characters going throughout the whole series and stuff. But it, it was an enjoyable show and people generally liked it. And again, it was a CW show, so that could be where that CW quality comes from but there are so many times where the show is relatively grounded relatively well written that all, and, and reasonably well directed aside from not being a horror show at all part of me wants to think especially because they bring in so many mistakes that we saw from other media particularly the, the uh, Anderson movies you know all the you know the story about how Resident Evil in, in live action the whole thing with Constantine no so this is a German company or, or, or German English company and they somehow managed to secure the rights early on to Resident Evil. And it's one of those situations like with Fox and the Fantastic Four where as long as they keep cranking out shit they get to hold on to the license indefinitely. And so that's why there's never a big gap in between a Resident Evil product because they, they have to keep stuff coming out, right? Okay. And, and the problem is they're they're what they call a mini-major where they're they they're not like a micro it's not like Asylum or something but they're also not Universal Studios. So they've got enough money to where they can do a reasonable production but they're never going to get any big names they're, they're always going to cut corners they're always going to find ways to like squeeze a dollar to it screams that kind of shit right and because they keep having these same elements that aren't even from the games pop up over and over again I feel like Constantine must kind of well this is what we need to, because this is what's worked for us in the past and you have to have the clones in here and you have to have this thing and you have to have that thing I feel like they must have some sway there so it almost feels like because the show is kind of good at times but then when it's bad it's super duper bad like just impossibly bad it almost feels like they wrote the show and it was like like too boring it was like too grounded too CW and so they're like okay well we have to have some big twists and some big shocks we need a Game of Thrones this shit up a bit and it, so it feels like like somebody went in there and came in there and did those those twists that ruin the show throughout the season to keep people engaged but all it does really is completely just you know implode the series because it's yeah. so left field and so badly considered it's almost like 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 they uh, sabotage it on purpose like okay if you, if you if you want the show to suck we'll just intentionally make it suck as hard as possible so we don't have to come back to work under these conditions maybe they weren't cutting the checks or they were they they went back on promises that you're supposed to get this on the back end they didn't it's like fuck you then we're gonna take your show it, it feels like they intentionally tanked it whether it was outside interference that ruined it or the, the showrunners were like okay well, we're, gonna, we're gonna make it more exciting all right it, 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 it feels like it's intentional like it, like it's, it's again it's one of these things where it's like it's punching you in the face you know I, I i don't understand how you could come to the conclusions this show comes to when they're decent at times and then just completely fucking awful in, in a ways that like no human being could think well this is going to really pump up my audience you know just yeah. so counterintuitive yep wish i wouldn't watch it <laughs> <laughs> Got a decent podcast out of it, I think. You know? <laughs> luckily, luckily, I forget things. So by next week, I won't remember it. Well, you're gonna for you're never gonna forget that you never want to watch that again, though. And you're not no, coming back for second season. Forget. Yeah, I will. I will never. That has no redeemable. Like, there's a bunch of shit movies that I've said I'm never watching again, and now I like them as far as like background, you know, noise while I'm working, or just guilty pleasure. But no, this, nope. <laughs> it just such a waste of 
Mitchell too. Such a great cast. Uh, some decently written sequences. Some, some decent some effects. Good actors. A, a, and actors. Good, good budget. And just completely annihilated. Like, like, I don't care what the rationale was. From now on, you have to tell people that you canceled your Netflix subscription specifically because of how terrible the show was. Like, you had you, you it was like Coyote Ugly Television where you cut off your fucking arm to make sure that you couldn't even possibly watch the second season. If you, you know, you, you, rent, you rented it unattainable because it was so bad. Yeah, gross. Just gross. Have we tapped it? It sounds like we're out of stuff to say about this thing. Yeah, I think I think that'll wrap it up. <laughs> One element of Resident Evil live action media maintained from the Paul W.S. Anderson movies is that the Netflix TV show has a really strong and really interesting soundtrack. It includes music from the Sex Pistols, Halsey, Mazzy Star, Dua Lipa, Jamiroquai. Spotify has a playlist that I tried to embed on the blog, but it doesn't look like the code works on WordPress. Um, so I would recommend checking that out if you don't want to watch the show. At least the music is worth giving a listen to. So we received social media support from 21st Century Boys, Adam Blackmoon, Andre TFG, Between the Pages Blog, Billy Hines, Canoes, who added Listening Now Thanks, Charlton Hero, Chris Dunford, Chris Lydon, Dear Watchers, A Marvel What If Podcast, Ed Moore, Gregory Litchfield, The Hammer Strikes, Geeky Stuff and Voiceover, History of Comics on Film, I Was Joe Is, It's Plastic Man, Jeffrey Brown, They Them, King Dinosaur, Max's Pro-Choice and Anti-Nazi, Mike at Send Aliens to Me, Peace Spirit, Resurrections, A Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Samil Scott X, Ufta, Wayne Burroughs, and 101 Warrior for Peace podcast. Jeffrey Brown wrote on the Resident Evil episode that preceded this one covering the first of the Paul W.S. movies. Oh, I remember watching this movie for the first time in the aughts, expecting to see Jill Valentine kicking ass because I had played as her in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It was so disappointing because it was all about Alice. There was no Barry, Chris, Wesker, or Enrico. I have a lot of thoughts about this movie and this series because I've been playing the games. I'm a little passionate about them because they have the best of things I like. Puzzles, exploration, Metroidvania, action, cheesy B-movie stuff, and moody body horror. Hell, there wasn't even a tyrant in this first movie. I like Mila from The Fifth Element, but I feel like if she was going to be the main character, she could have been Jill. Just no superpowers or clones. I've been replaying the PS1 and PS2 games recently. I didn't like Afterlife because of what was done to Jill, Barry, Ada, and Leon. They definitely went full tilt using the parasites from Resident Evil 4, the execution from Resident Evil 5. The final chapter was down out hilarious to me from all the retcons, clones, and I didn't like the plot. And yeah, we're going to circle back around to the uh, Anderson movies sooner rather than later. At one point, I was going to try to do an episode apiece, but uh, 2022 is getting away from me. Uh, funnily enough, we recorded on the final chapter the night we saw it going on five years ago, and I've just been sitting on that material ever since. Uh, so since it's going to be the fifth anniversary at the end of this year or early next year, We'll make sure to get to that point over the next few months. So Max Reed's comics wrote, I love these movies. Yes, all of them. And yes, I know what's wrong with them on so many levels, but I saw them all in the theater and had a blast every time. Uh, for the most part, me too. I'm, I'm four for six on those. And actually, if you count the new movie, five for seven. Mike Send Aliens wrote, I liked all of them except the last one, I think. And then Jeffrey Brown returned to comment on episode 32, five-year-old commentary on trailers for related reboot quills. Oh, this should be fun. I like anime, DCU anime, 
animated stuff, John Wick, Black Panther, and little Luke Besson. Walking Dead, sadly, I have long, long fell out of since they killed off my favorite character. And yeah, uh, me and Paquita jumped off that show when they smashed Lynn's brains. She lasted a few episodes after me, but definitely didn't finish out that particular season. Go away. 